1: Far be it for us to put more Game of Thrones content out there, but there was a trailer that dropped last week. We've never been accused of going light on the GOT content. <laughs> it's true, but I, you know, I don't think we're going as heavy as some people. Because if you if you just pull up YouTube and watch the trailer, and then you see the videos that they recommend for up next or something, they're all roughly hour long breakdowns of the trailer
0: yeah Yeah, my what to watch next is insane (laughs) right now yes but that is that is absolutely is absolutely true uh yeah we we got we got a lot of good characters we got a lot of stories to resolve it's pretty amazing going through the um going through the last book right now and and just seeing some details in there that are definitely a couple of it's fun watching how many characters are smushed into one. Yeah,
1: can I ask you a question as a book (laughs) reader? Are you upset that young Griff isn't in the show? Or are you happy? Personally, I'm happy. So I'll let you go.
0: I I think that the universe, as evidenced by the fact that R.R. Martin decided to split book four into two books, I think the universe was just too big. So... And the universe is still huge in, in the HBO show, so...
1: Now that you're actively reading the book, like, my recollection is that Young Griff adds nothing. What do you actually feel like you're you're gaining from Young Griff being in the books? I mean, nothing. Okay. All right. That's all I wanted to check.
0: I, I'm just assuming that... And my assumption is just I'm giving the show writers a the benefit of the doubt that they're just merging as many storylines as, as possible. You know... Having Jorah and um, Old Griff end up, like, intersecting as the same character, sort of, is, it it helps to, like, you know, doesn't help to keep Britain employed, but it does, Britain's (laughs) actors employed, but it does help to keep everyone else um, interested in fewer characters.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Okay, I guess we're a baseball podcast and there's baseball highlights out there. There are baseball highlights. Um I really wish that this video hadn't happened against the Twins, but I go
0: ahead. I I know. Well, I just pulled the the one that keeps on going <laughs> around the internet, uh Cabrera bluffing uh <laughs> bluffing a throwback to the pitcher and then um tagging a guy out. Who was a Twin.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, a legit hidden ball trick. Fun to see a hidden ball trick always. Oof, I, that was
0: like that was not even a hidden ball trick. He just pantomimed throwing back to
1: <laughs> the pitcher. And the- I mean, to be fair, he's not watching at all. I'm gonna give. I'm actually going to say that the first base coach needed to be paying a little bit better attention.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you're just. This is
1: why you have. This is why you have
0: preseason. Speaking of the preseason injuries, preseason injuries. I thought that this would be a good topic to kind of bat around, if you will. Um, and I really want to go into, I really have two things that I want to discuss with you quickly here. Number one, drafting those guys with a Swiss flag next to their names and um, and or drafting guys with a reputation for being injured. Do you have any,
1: any thoughts on either one of those? Drafting guys with a reputation, I am going to always assume guys are healthy until they're not
0: ah there i knew it i knew it and i have the opposite and i have the opposite of like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna believe a guy is gonna stay healthy if he has a reputation of not staying healthy Mm -hmm. i've got a list of names here that i thought were just interesting guys are gonna be owned in like top 300 ish kind of sense um who have a swiss flag next to their name right now otani altuve skaggs dickerson faulty Josh James, Upton, Castellano, Strickland, Martinez, Carlos, Tommy Pham, Malik Smith, Herman Marquez, Alex Wood, Lindor, Kershaw, Morrow. Any thoughts on any of those guys that you that uh, or any like overall thoughts that you have on
1: those guys? So not all Swiss flags are created equal. Exactly.
0: And that's what I wanted to get to.
1: Totally depends on what you're talking about. I mean, let's like, let's partition this into pitchers and, and batters. Like, okay, this is a pitcher. Is it his throwing arm? Is it his throwing arm or is it his shoulder or his elbow? Like those are like, you know, I would run down a flow chart of worry. And then Mm. on the batting side, I would say, okay, does he rely on speed to get things done? (laughs) Right. And is it a lower body injury? Yeah. I would say that that's, that's pretty much it and or is it an oblique because for some reason nobody ever comes back from those.
0: The oblique is such a – yeah, it, it, you never know what the real timetable is. It seems like it's so variable. But oblique is clearly – so that's like Altuve, I believe, it's something fake like his side, which is clearly is oblique, which is clearly that he's um, he's doing PT and for – his other injuries and ended up hurting himself and cause he's compensated. Yeah.
1: But I've, I've long kicked around the idea of, um, and this actually is an algorithm club model that I would love to do, which is take all of the injuries that are reported and all of the timetables that actually exist and try mm-hmm. to figure out, okay, what is actually like, can, how can we actually make predictions going forward?
0: I think that's yeah no I, I that would be really good that would
1: be really good and that would be we need a little bit more medical background for well it. that's like a I, I mean I, I'm not even thinking about a medical background I'm just thinking about here's no, what they, I re- know, here's I know. What they totally reported totally data wise here's what he was out for you could do it that unfortunately is like that actually feels like a school homework assignment <laughs> and so I'm less inclined <laughs> to do it okay anyway <laughs> it's so
0: much better to just like off the cusp be like ah whatever you know pe- everybody heals differently <laughs>
1: exactly this week on the pod algorithm club first installment of season three we are going to talk about gaussian mixture models in the first half we're going to talk a little bit about the algorithm club mission statement try and lay out sort of a a rubric for evaluating what we're actually doing introduce gaussian mixture models and then we'll talk about the application and some specific players and what we learned about them so here we go i want to do two things in this first half, which is both talk about the algorithm, uh, an idea for an algorithm club mission statement, just to make sure that we're on the same page. And then I actually also want to tell you about Gaussian mixture models and see what you think. Okay, I'm, I'm in. What about this mission statement? Algorithm club exposes the fantasy tools to new computational technique that has real world applicability. We both develop a working knowledge of the algorithm and assess the applicability for our goals. I don't have any problems with that statement. Okay. We started algorithm club not only for fantasy purposes but also because we thought it might make our uh, work life better.
0: <laughs> right. It would be a good it would be a better place to expose ourselves to these tools. Absolutely.
1: We haven't really failed an algorithm club before, I think, to my mind. Ah, uh, I mean it,
0: pff, there is no there there's no failure metric, I don't think.
1: Well, so I guess my point would be I want to make that failure metric. So I was going to ask you uh, some questions and see if we can. I've been thinking a lot about rubrics and, you know, school and academia. So, so what about, like, how do we evaluate whether this? Algorithm Club is doing is doing good work for us, or whether we're just kind of spinning our wheels. Because okay, you've knocked me in the past for <laughs> making really complex tools, and then saying like, okay, well, is this actually better than than the? Is this applicable? Thing? Is it? Is it?
0: Yeah. Can we just go to looking at plate appearances, or do we just go to aggregate? <laughs> right. Is there a reason to use an advanced? Technique, albeit computational, to do work is a real question that we don't ask ourselves enough.
1: Yeah, we've asked it offhand, but I would like to make it more algorithm club forward. (laughs) Like when when we do algorithm club, like, okay, let's actually keep this in mind. And this week, we actually have a great one because last week we talked about the simple min max. And standard deviation of drafts and ADP. And mm-hmm. this week, we tried to take it, we tried to kick it up to the next level. So let's just keep that in mind as we're going forward here. Keeping in my my big question would be, did we improve our understanding of yeah. fantasy baseball <laughs> from this algorithm? <laughs> so let's let's try and circle back to that at the end of this conversation. All right, let's talk about what I actually did. Gaussian mixture models. Let me just read directly from Python's SK Learn documentation. A Gaussian mixture model is a probabilistic model that assumes all the data points are generated from a mixture of a finite number of Gaussian distributions with unknown parameters. And then they offer an interpretation. One can think of mixture models as generalizing k-means, clustering, Mm -hmm. to incorporate information about the covariance structure of the data as well as the centers of the latent Gaussians. So let's try and unpack that a little bit we know what k-means is where you're trying to group different uh, data points into clusters this is trying to say okay these data points vary together or are covariant we're trying to look at that structure and see if there's extra information that you're throwing away by specifically trying to partition these right a
0: K means and I think of it as one of your the examples that you you pointed to, um, kind of thinks about k means is is strictly distance related. Mm-hmm. Um, you decide the number k of clusters, and then that creates these. Think of them as spheres in data space that uh, then encapsulate each you know each. Data point is assigned to one of those spheres. A Gaussian mixture model then doesn't think in terms of spheres; thinks more in terms of ellipses, and that yep. is built off of Gaussian distributions, which says, "Well, this data point is ninety percent within this this cluster and is ten percent within this cluster." Okay, then it's clearly um, then it's clearly this cluster rather than that one.
1: Right. So K-means deals in absolutes. Uh so we started with the TGFBI drafts again. So you've got twenty-one drafts that go out to four hundred and fifty players. So you're talking about a a deep data set. Um they you actually logged or TGFBI actually logged 1,022 players that were in this drafting drafting universe. Mm-hmm. So I just um essentially I just I ended up just letting this loose and I picked a number of clusters i happened to pick 10 uh just that was my own uh random tinkering like oh 10 feels right ish so trying to break the draft into 10 tiers i think is how eventually we want we want to think about this and then asking okay well what do you actually learn from these 10 tiers (laughs) The movie review season might be over, but things do occasionally sneak up, even when we're doing the review sessions on players this year. Here's an outtake.
0: And it's not like a <laughs> finger point. Uh, finger point Jesus. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well said. That's that's fantasy adjacent.
0: I think uh, we almost did Dogma as one of our movies Ooh. last year. I, I was thinking about it for like five weeks in a
1: row never told me that that would have been a good one you've seen some of this data do you do you like the concept of thinking about it in tiers do you hate the concept does it not make sense i mean what do we do here
0: i think a lot of fantasy analysts talk about um drafts in terms of tiers yeah so that's um it's useful and i think that i've talked in the past about my like there are a lot of points where you hit the wasteland point where you're like, and that's really what what it is, is your mind saying like, oh, wow, there's so many players out there that I'm just excited to be able to pick between them at this stage in the draft. And then you get to the next point where you're like, there are fewer players and I have more parameters to deal with. And then you get to a place where you're just like, wow, no one um, jumps out at me. So I, I think the tier, maybe that's what I'm thinking of in terms of tiers. Yeah, let me, so, so true.
1: I, the, the end goal, I mean, let's just, let's just share actually what we found here, which is that I ended up building from the model, predicting simulated ADPs across all the players here. And I was able to identify what I would actually call those wastelands, those times that you're actually, that I think you're actually feeling wastelands in a draft.
0: Looks like you have highlighted three wastelands. Yeah, essentially.
1: yeah. Here's, here's my main, here's my main danger zone. Picks seventy-five to one hundred and twenty,
0: compared to picks one through seventy-five. Mind you, it's this is relative. Yeah. You have done this in, in relative, which is yeah. um a, is a little bit hard to think about. But um, relative to the rest of the draft, this is a huge wasteland
1: um of of value and picks. Yeah, basically this boiled down into. There was a cluster of 75 players that have a lot of value, and then there's a cluster of um, 45 players right after them that have a little bit less value. And the reason, if you actually dive back in and try and do basic data science that we understand, is that the first 75 guys pretty uniformly go across leagues, across Mm -hmm. all 21 leagues. Like, okay, those guys are gone. Once you hit 25 to 120, the guys basically kind of went Anywhere in that range. So if you went back to fundamental the fundamentals, you just saw that the the Sigma, the standard deviation of when those guys were picked, just explodes once you hit seventy five to one twenty.
0: Right. And this is where people are making choices. This is where people have yeah. in seventy five, that's they have five guys on yeah. their team. Yep. And so some guys are still drafting for value. Some guys are then a little bit hampered by position. Some guys um are starting to go as we were talking about the draft last week, some guys are starting to put their theories into place. I mean like yeah. Josh Hader. We we messed everything up by picking Josh Hader really early in that range.
1: No, that that is really true and um I don't know if you saw this, but Josh Hader actually doesn't appear in shouldn't, quote unquote, according to the the full draft knowledge, shouldn't appear in that tier. He should appear in the next tier.
0: Right, exactly. And we drafted him in that tier. Right.
1: <laughs> and you can see, I mean,
0: and that's further what it is, yeah. is that, yeah, those first 75 guys are going to be owned by everyone, are going to be picked in the in the top 90, even in draft that, like, you know, maybe is, like, Yankee-hating draft yeah. or Tiger-hating draft, whatever, whatever the case may be. They're still going to get picked, whereas in that next tier is, like, well— we're gonna just we're just gonna sit on him there, and there were some players that I was thinking that that same way about.
1: Yeah, and so let me just give you a couple of guys that are in that are identified to be in the second tier. I think these guys actually make a lot of sense: Zach Grinke, Glaber Torres, Blake Trinan, Daniel Murphy. Ugh. ugh. <laughs> Those are all guys that wait no, but that's my point. Your Ugh tells tells you everything. They're they feel like they're they're probably in the top 120, but they feel like hold your nose picks. <laughs>
0: It, exactly. And I'm sure, and especially in a league with fantasy analysts, like who are trying to win the overall yeah. and like out, um, you know, out hipster pick the other guys who are doing the hipster picks. <laughs> like these are the yeah. guys, these are the boring guys that nobody wants to, that no one wants to grab or the guys that there's just like enough black marks that the ADP is like you know, wrong, all over the place. Yep.
1: So, and then, so we talked about, you know, up to 75, up to 120, then other clusters come in up to 200, so that the value is basically, like, diminishing like you would expect, up to 200. And then it seemed like a bunch of guys found value between 200 and 280. um, Found more value between 200 and 280. And then from 280 to 370, there's this other, another wasteland of just, like... Another
0: quick wasteland, a quicker, well the it seems like that's a type of player and i was re- commenting that on our rolling um yeah. home draft there's just like 200 280 to 370 you could probably if you just had all of your picks in that range you could you could be competitive in your league you yes. could win that league but then if you had enough of those players just you know not show up for the entire season you could get screwed
1: so those players are here's our here's my you know prototypical or top four that appear in this gregory polanco aj minter zach godley julio urias yeah those are guys that like yeah maybe they're great but also maybe they're just totally dead picks maybe they're kind of not
0: gonna get i mean these are guys that like pff, yeah they could be all-stars literal all-stars yeah. Or fantasy all-stars. Or they could just never get out of the role that you, you think of them as in. Greg Lee Polanco is a guy that's just kind of a guy yep. these days. A.J. Minter is an elite setup man who might be, at the end of the season, an elite setup man. <laughs> <who's> yeah. not. <laughs> right. Zach Godley could. Um, Zach Godley more like Zach boringly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and so so that's that's sort of my point. And then of course I should just say after 370, it's just a, a free for all. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. just like it's just like no clue what's happening down there. And that makes sense because you know most most fantasy drafts are not even going to touch that point. No, the vast exactly. majority of fantasy leagues aren't even going to touch that point. Um, so th- that's my general idea of tiers. And I think that there are actually pivot points by. Pick to circle back to what I what I was hoping to answer at the beginning. I'm less inclined to to um, argue that there are pivot points based on players from this. Um, I, okay. I didn't really. And
0: um, that's that. That's helpful. I'm. I'm not. And, I'm not seeing evidence for that. And then what about position? Because you're trying to tackle these three things. At I was
1: hoping that the. Well, yeah. I was hoping that you would learn a lot about positions. I learned basic things about positions and this is i think where you would actually improve the model which what i learned about position is that if you are trying to decide what to pick and you don't really know pick a pitcher because there's always pitcher value on the table like every single tier is 50 percent pitchers
0: Mm, okay yeah oh i see because right you have a finite number if if you have a finite number of third baseman, first baseman, second baseman, shortstops, then you have a
1: far less finite number of pitchers. Yeah. And so the the way that all almost all the drafts shook out, or the way that the Gaussian mixture model wants tells you that the draft should pick out, should shake out, is that basically 50% of the time you sh- your people are picking pitchers and the values at pitchers the okay. the otherwise overwhelming thing especially at the early part of the draft is to choose an outfielder and that makes sense because that's where a lot of the hitting value is
0: yeah and we've talked about this in previous podcasts just when you look at it um there it feels like there's so many great outfielders that you shouldn't worry about it and then you realize well, i have multiple outfield slots that i need to fill
1: <laughs> right that's exactly right and then There, the mixture model is arguing that you start to see infield value around pick two hundred, and that's not surprising. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I think that this was a pretty good. um, I think that this was good.
1: Did it? This is a good. It improved my understanding of fantasy baseball relative to the min max standard deviation that I did last week.
0: I think it does. I think it it is able to. color characterize some of the things that we're seeing in that min max um yeah in a way that's very different all right that about brings us to the review session lorenzo kane outfielder
1: of 32 years for the
0: milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> that makes it
1: sound like he's been their their uh, their outfielder for 32 years
0: he has 32
1: years as you would say in the romance languages Let's see what his last year line was here. Uh, He played in 141 games, uh, 620 plate appearances, 10 home runs. Look at that power stroke. 90 runs, 38 (laughs) RBIs. Love that. Love that balance. (laughs) And then 30 stolen bases. Good for a batting average of 308. 308? 308. That's pretty incredible. Uh, Part of this driven by a beautiful BABIP of 357. 357. That's not as sustainable. That is not sustainable. I mean, it's not his 2014 380. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And he's what? His OBP
0: is 395. So he's yeah. like, man, an OBP league, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, no, that's, that is absolutely right. Um, but the numbers, I feel like, and I think you're right, don't tell the story of why, why you would like Lorenzo Kane. I mean that 308 number does well, tell you sure. the story. I um I didn't appreciate how uppercut oh. his swing is. <laughs> for someone
0: for someone who doesn't hit home runs. Yeah. He's it is it's just
1: like he really starts low and ends high. I did not appreciate that before. I mean, I think I think I sort of knew that, but like, wow, he's really just trying to hit it over the second baseman's head every time.
0: I've oh yeah. No, <laughs> That's all exactly. he's trying to do. When I think about what I would be as a baseball player, I know that I wouldn't hit home runs. Yep. and But I would still be like doing that where it looks like so much effort just to like pop it into shallow, <laughs> shallow left, <laughs> shallow right every time. <laughs> or, I mean, he has some pretty good line drives. I mean, it's amazing in looking at the highlight reel for him. Like just that all of his highlights are line drives because he doesn't hit any home runs. That's right.
1: But (laughs) the line, the line drives are great. And I actually, that actually made me think that he's, that he's more valuable than my perception before, because I always thought of him as like, okay, well he's really legging out ground balls, but that's not his default mode.
0: No, he hits pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that actually suggests to me that he's not going to see that the age fall off that you might worry about for like a, a speedy guy.
0: Well, if you look at Statcast, you all there's always this assumption that the center fielder is the fastest guy on the team sure. and is doing it on pure athleticism. But he's clearly a he's clearly a smart center fielder. He's it's mostly positioned because he doesn't have a top um, a, a top sprint speed compared to Billy Hamilton or uh, Byron Buxton, right. especially right. even compared. I mean, it's like. I, I won't make, I won't make assumptions on some of the other center fielders out there because I didn't I didn't look at it that in depth. But it's clear that he he gets a couple extra bags based on his base running abilities. Mm-hmm. He's He's crafty on the bases with a, as a stolen bases show. Um, so that's actually it kind of makes you feel like he could last a little bit longer than the guys who depend on their speed.
1: I do too, and i I agree with that. I also get the sense that he is a really good team player, oh yeah, it seems like
0: the teammates love him what is what is that make money? Is that what his little dance is
1: i I guess so it it's it's not really clear. I mean he's the type of guy that you know necessitates we would have to like actually watch interviews with him. I wonder what he sounds mm-hmm. like <laughs> I'll. Be- <laughs>
0: yeah the, I that's do always that. a, good, know, a good i, thing need, to think I need
1: to mix in for future weeks i need to mix in hearing hearing their voice at least once this is a little bit of men in blazers like you know i really i feel more confident now that i've
0: seen his little little <laughs> celebration yes. dance when he gets to second base uh comes up with dirt on his shirt i mean like i feel a little bit better that every single time he does the same thing all right so who are we doing this week
1: Somebody's been in the news. Somebody that I think, um, I think that ADP and drafts do not have a good handle on Adam Jones.
0: Okay, I'm in. Yeah, no news that he just went to Arizona. Yeah.
1: I um, I Can need to be
0: redemption or is he going to have a place? I
1: need to see if. I mean, people have been treating him a little bit like he's left for dead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Time for a little
0: housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools. Mine the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst
1: of luck to you, too.